This morning, we're actually going to be talking about, not my haircut, even though it is um, what I started with, we're actually going to be talking about Samson. Had a bad haircut one day, didn't he? <laughs> Samson had a bad haircut one day. Uh, but Samson is, is a great example for us this morning because I think Samson struggles with one of the uh, greatest challenges facing the world today. One of the greatest challenges facing the world today. Uh, Samson struggled with sexual sin. That's a, that's, a, that's a Sunday morning topic right there. He struggled with sexual sin. And, and, you know, we might not realize how pervasive it has become in the world today. Maybe you have. You know, the, the pornography industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Makes more money than all of the professional sports organizations combined. Let that sink in. More than Major League Baseball and the professional football, professional soccer, all of those things, hockey, basketball, the pornography industry makes more money than all of them combined. 20% of men admit that they have uh, viewed pornography at work. 40 million Americans have acknowledged that they view pornography daily. Daily. 10% of the world, or the United States, acknowledges a sexual addiction that they attribute to pornography. 47% of Christian households that were surveyed acknowledge that pornography is a major problem in their home. The average age for a, a sexual encounter in America today is 17. Has been as young as 12 that is surveyed. Today's millennial generation, it typically takes 10 text messages or less before a sexual encounter. Typically, we, uh, we think of this as just a male problem, but one-third of all of those that are viewing pornography are female. And it's continuing to grow more and more and more. And we like to look at it and go, man... The world is getting bad. Pornography makes it easier. The internet makes it easier to access. But here's one of the things that we can sometimes forget. The issue of sexual sin is not a new one. Think of, of Adam. Why did he follow Eve? His wife. There was a relationship there. There was an intimacy there that came through, the, through, through a sexual relationship. Think of David and Bathsheba. David was a man after God's own heart, but he struggled with sexual sin. And so oftentimes when you look at it and say, the world's getting worse, and I think in many ways it is, but understand, we have plenty of examples in the Bible of people that struggled with sexual sin. Samson is one of those individuals. And so this morning I want to take a few moments to look at the life of Samson. And as much as I would love to review the entire life of Samson, we don't have enough time for that. I want us to give us some highlights of looking at Samson and helping us to understand how the struggles that we're facing in the world today are not new. They are very real struggles, but they're not new. There were examples throughout the Word of God of people that struggled with sin repeatedly. And Samson was an example. Samson, if you want to open up your Bible there, we're going to be in the book of Judges, uh, starting in chapter 13. Samson was a judge. 
And if you're not familiar with the history of Israel, the judges were individuals that God raised up to deliver the people of Israel from oppression or uh, issues that they were facing at the time. They also dispensed justice. They protect. My personal favorite judge is Ehud. I like Ehud. You know why I like Ehud? Because he was left-handed. He was a left-handed judge. Samson was a judge, uh, and he was a very short-serving judge. He only served for 20 years. He served for 20 years. But if you look at the first verse of, uh, of, of Judges 13, you see a common phrase that typically led to God raising up a judge. Here's what it says. It says, again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Read the book of Judges. You'll see that throughout. Again, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistine for 40 years. So understand, they, the Israel was again doing evil in the sight of the Lord, and so God delivered them to the Philistines, put them under a, a system of control, and in, that, in the midst of that, he raised up a judge. And the judge that he raised up was named Samson. Now Samson, we hear about Samson's birth uh, in the very beginning there, chapter 2, it says a certain name named Zorah, uh, I'm sorry, a certain man of Zorah named uh, Manoah from the clan Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will, beca- you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name, but he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Here's what I want to understand about Samson. Samson was consecrated to God from birth. He was dedicated to God from birth, and he was called to be a Nazarite. And a Nazarite vow was something that people of Israel could take upon themselves for a period of time. It could be their lifetime, or it could be just a, Paul took a Nazarite vow, believe it or not. Uh, You could take a Nazarite vow for just the season. It was determined by that individual. But for Samson, it was to be his whole life, and he was to be raised up to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And the Nazarite vow had three elements to it. First, There'd be uh, no, no strong wine or fermented drink, so no alcohol. The second one was to avoid contact with dead things, which would be unclean. Uh, the, the people, listen, sometimes people worry that the church today is restrictive. People of Israel, they had a whole lot of rules. We don't have as many rules. We're really focused on relationship. And so understand that there's a difference between that vow and what we face today. We, we think the church can be strict today. Just imagine the people of Israel. We haven't put anybody out of the camp for seven days, have we? No, no. It's a whole lot different. And so the people of Israel, the Nazarite vow, it was no alcohol, no, dead, no undead things, and no cutting your hair. No shaving your head. That was part of the Nazarite vow. That was part of Samson's life. It's what God had called him to be. He was to be dedicated to the Lord. Now, if you read the entire story of Samson, which I'd invite you to do, it's, just, it's chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 in the book of Judges. As you read through it, here's what you'll notice. 
Samson was not really that nice a person. He was, he was kind of a mess. He was kind of mess. Have you ever read some of the old, you know, somebody, about somebody in the Bible, and you're like, man, why are they in here? They're not a good example. They're not a nice person. I mean, there's one, there's one story in here where, where Samson got mad at the Philistines who caught 300 foxes and burned all their wheat. I mean, it's like, that's not, that, that doesn't sound very holy, does it? Doesn't sound very good. Samson actually, one of the issues with Samson was that he rebelled against what God had called him to do. You know, if you, if you look in chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Samson went down to, to Tamiah where he saw a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman. Now go get her for me as my wife. You know, there was a prohibition in Israel about marrying foreign women. So here's one of God's judges raised up to deliver the people of Israel. And what's he say? Go get me a foreign wife. Now, obviously, that's not a a prohibition today. But what it was is they were trying to remain pure and holy for religious purposes. That's why they had that prohibition. And what does, what does Samson say? Do this. Now, it's ordained of God in this instance, but it's just another, it's an example of how oftentimes Samson would try to skirt around his vow, his dedication, the way he'd been consecrated. Samson would oftentimes, he would just kind of try and just get it right around the edges. There's a, in verse, chapter 15, or chapter 16, Samson goes and visits a prostitute. Well, that doesn't sound very godlike at all, does it? No. Here's what I'm trying to understand. Samson was just like you and me. Samson struggled with sin. Sometimes we can read examples of the Bible and go, man, I could never be like Jesus. <laughs> nope, I can't either. But I read stories of imperfect people in the Word of God all the time. And when we think of Samson, what often do we think of? We think of how strong he was because we see it again and again in the Word of God. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he did some miraculous feat. He did some amazing feat of strength. And we look at it and say, man, I'm not super strong. But I do have the same struggles as Samson, don't I? I can look at Samson and say, there have been many a time that I've tried to skirt the rules. There's many times I have tried to go around a little bit of, you know, it's not that, it's not that I'm trying to jump off the edge, but I'm trying to see sometimes how close I can get without actually stepping off. And we don't necessarily do it consciously. But how many of you have struggled with a sin, you don't have to raise your hand, sin in your life for more than a year? Over and over. Does it mean you don't love God? Does it mean you don't care about God? Samson was still a judge of God. And this five, these four chapters that we look at, really it covers 20 years of his life. And so there's all sorts of things that we don't see, but we see all sorts of examples of where, where Samson just kind of skirted, or even just flat out broke the rules. I mean, if you look in, in 14, verse 8, it says, Sometimes later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and he saw it with swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands. 
and ate as he went along. As part of his Nazarite vow, he wasn't supposed to touch anything dead or unclean. Scooping honey out of the lion sounds pretty gross, uh, but it also breaks that vow. See, Samson oftentimes displayed a casual connection to the commitment and dedication of what God had called him to be. I really, this morning, the message is titled Mighty, is a series, and today we're talking about Samson as a mighty man of failure. Have you ever felt as though no matter what you did, you were never going to be good enough? God, I've prayed, I can't do it, I can't get free, Lord, save me. But still, that sin comes back. I started by talking about sexual sin, but maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a different kind of sin. I use Samson as an example this morning because Samson was a man who struggled with sin, and we can see it. He was not a pure person. But he's still in the Word of God. He's still an example of a real person. We can read the amazing feats of strength that Samson did and go, wow, it sounds like Hercules. But I believe the word of God. This isn't just some mythical individual. This is a real person. This is a real person. And here's the reality. Samson was very much like you and me. Samson was prideful. He took credit when he did something, when the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He would took, take pride personally. Samson was vindictive. He burned, it actually says right there, Samson said to them, this time I have the right to get even with the Philistines. That, does that ever sound like you? Does that ever sound like me? I can do that because they did me wrong, I get to do them wrong. Samson struggled. You know what he struggled with? Being a person. He struggled. How many of you in here are humans? Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Samson was very much like us. He was prideful. He was vindictive. And he was not very holy. He wasn't very holy. You know, Samson, when you, when you look at chapter 16... This is where I want to read through the largest portion here. In 16, it says, One day Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were, to Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the day, saying, At dawn we will kill him. The reason that they waited at dawn is because they, they assumed he would be too tired in the morning to defend himself after spending all night with a prostitute. And so Samson comes out in the middle of the night, defeats them. Wow. Uh, it's, but again, was that very holy? Was that, I mean, no. No. In no context is that okay. And when we look at verse 4, this is what everyone knows Samson about. This is what everyone knows about Samson right here. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each of us will give you 11,000. 
hundred shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I will become weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not yet been dried, and she tied tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. The Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me secretly or securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped off the ropes as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. Okay, Samson's a little slow. Okay. Samson's a little slow because he's told her two things and she's tried both of them. And so, as opposed to going, I don't think I'm going to tell you anything. Samson, he replied, if you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabrics on the loom and tighten it with a pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric and tightened them with a pen. Again, she called him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, pulled the pen in the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you? Why was Samson so easily ensnared by her? Samson struggled with sexual sin. When you won't confide in me this, this is the third time you have made a fool of me. I think if I was Samson, I'd be like, this is the third time you've tried to kill me. And haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So she told him everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, and my, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And we understand what happens from there. So she shaves his head. The Philistines capture him. They enslave him. At one point, it talks about how they brought him out so that he could entertain them. Some commentaries say that they brought him out so they prayed him around like a da- so he could dance before them. Samson struggled with sin. Samson struggled with sin. Here's the, here's the thing Samson needed to learn in life because I think Samson had a lot of pride if you read that. And when we become prideful, pride leads to self-reliance. Samson relied on his own strength, even though it came from God. We see many examples where he wasn't dedicated and committed to what God had called him to. Samson struggled with pride, thinking, I can take care of it on my own. I can do it by myself. The second thing that happened to Samson is that he wasn't paying attention. Lack of vigilance leads to us 
becoming ensnared. How should we deal with sin? How did Joseph deal with Potiphar's wife? He ran. He ran. But how many of us spend a lot of time seeing how close to the edge we can get? How? Is this okay? Is this okay? My son, Bennett, uh, as you notice, Heather's not here today. She's at the women's retreat. And so I've had daddy duty the last three days, and we've survived. He, he's here, fully clothed, um, fed. Good, good. Last night, he got himself in a little trouble. And so uh, I sent him to his room. And so he, he's like, I don't want to go to my room. And so a lot of yelling, crying, not yelling, crying, a lot of crying. Uh, yelling on his part. I'm not, I don't yell. He's crying and crying. And I said, get, get in your room. And so here's what he did. He sat with his feet at the door's threshold. Okay? So he was still in the room. But just barely. That's how Samson did a lot of things in life. That's how a lot of us do things in life. And then we wonder why when we stumble... And, Lord, why do I keep struggling with this? Well, that's because we're just trying to walk the line. That's what Samson was doing. Samson's just like you and me. Samson's just like you and me. When we look at verse 25 in chapter 16 there, we see the end of Samson's life. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called him out of the prison, and he performed for them. At this point, he was blind, by the way. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I might lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof... There were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, <coughs> Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached the two, the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing against himself against them, his right on one, his left on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more than when, he di- when he died than when he lived. At the end of his life, I feel Samson finally recognized that true strength comes from God. True freedom only comes from God. Pride leads to self-reliance. And when we lack vigilance, we get ensnared by those things that are trying to entangle us. And so what happens? How do we find freedom? Freedom only comes from God. What's Ephesians 6.10 say? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. If we want to be mighty men and mighty women, there's only one way to do it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil one in the heavenly realms. 
Samson struggled with sexual sin. And I said we were talking this morning about the greatest sin facing the world today. And I, I truly believe that pornography and, and the casualness at which people approach sin is a great problem. But it's not the greatest problem facing the world today. The greatest problem facing the world today is when we rely on ourselves instead of God. It wasn't until the end of his life that Samson genuinely acknowledged Grant me the strength, Lord. Many of us struggle with things. Paul struggled with a sin. Well, we assume it's a sin. He said it was a thorn that he prayed for it to be removed three times. Many of us struggle, and we try and find our own way out without ever praying about whether this is the way God would have us leave this life behind. There's a lot of great programs out there to help you. But here's the reality. If I try and do it on my own, I'm going to fail. If I try and do it alone, I'm going to fail. It might be temporary success, right? We might be successful for a little bit, But true freedom only comes from finding strength in our mighty Father. If we want to be mighty men and women, Ephesians 6.10 needs to be the theme of our life. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I have felt weak over and over and over again. And when I pause, I oftentimes realize it's because I'm trying to do it on my own. It's not what we're called to. Here's the exciting news. We can be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. It wasn't just some wisp of a command that, you know, if you're good enough, if you're holy enough, if you've done enough, then you can be strong in the Lord. Everyone is called to be strong in the Lord. You know what that means? That means the opportunity is there for everyone. We don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it alone. And maybe this morning, as I've talked, you don't struggle with a sexual sin. You have some other sin issue in your life. You have some other, maybe it's it's not even to the level where it's a regular sin. It's just someplace you have found yourself in bondage. That you don't have victory over it in your life. Victory is only found in one spot presence of God. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. This is how we find freedom. This is how we find victory, is when we give our lives to God 
and trust him to strengthen us. The greatest sin facing the church today is when we try and do it on our own. Because then, who's our savior? If I do it on my own, I've saved myself. But I can only save myself for a little bit. And I cannot save myself for eternity. The only one that can save me for eternity is Jesus. And we all have that opportunity. What a great message of hope that we have that opportunity.